Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. We're at it again. I'm here with my man, John. We do have a special guest on today's episode, and we will be talking about internet marketing hot takes for 2023. So before we get into introducing our guest, I'm going to bring in my guy, my uh, my co-host, my uh, partner in crime, John the Mon Coyle. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. What's up, man? So good to done. be here. Good to be live. Good to be doing a daytime episode. We had some nighttime vibes in the last one. Yeah, um, man. It was good to switch it up, you know? Yeah, yeah. How you doing? You doing good? Doing quite all right. Fine. Fine, I would good. say. Fine. All right. Yeah. Okay. People are like, get to it now. All right. How, how, um, about, you? how about yourself? I mean, we've I'm taken a also more. well. I'm well. Thank you. Nice. All right. Um, now that we've got the courtesies out of the way. Yes. Uh, cool. So excited about today's guest. Uh, I did not call this episode internet marketing hot takes for no reason because today we have the often controversial often spicy always hot mr barry hot from hot growth which is the coolest name for a company ever it's the hottest name how many times do i have to tell you john it's not cool it's not cool. it is hot yes (sighs) that is my bad 100 um cool barry how are you doing good to have you with us man doing well thanks for having me uh, glad to have you in the DMs. And then look, now we're talking minutes later, seemingly. Yes. Minutes later. I, and yeah, backstory here. I had like a guest fall through. That's actually a lie. I did not book a guest for today. <laughs> Wait, is that true? Yeah, I really didn't oh, book a guest for today. That's great. And I was like, oh, we're supposed to report a court of podcast today. Um, and so then I lied to Barry and told him my guest <laughs> fell through and asked if he could fill in last minute. And he was like, yeah, I'm in. I'm, in. I'm, I'm available during this time. And here we are. I would like to become a prof- side gig as like professional last minute podcast yeah. guest. Like, I was like, like, hey, you're not going to schedule me. But like, hey, if you need someone in a pinch, I'm your guy. I just want to be a utility man on every podcast <laughs> roster. Just <laughs> throw me in. Don't No prep needed. I'll just come in and I will perform. Yeah, I'll say some stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll say some stuff. It might be bad. But yeah, you're stuck. I, that's not important. That's not important. <laughs> cool. Well, let's talk some hot takes. Uh, sure. We're gonna talk forward. We're gonna we're gonna kind of frame this as like a looking forward to 2023 conversation. Um, but I think I, a lot of the stuff we talked about off camera, anyway, it's mm-hmm. pretty universal, pretty timeless. You yeah. know, so whenever you're watching this, these takes are still hot. 2028. Um, and yeah, and we're really actually going with some stuff that is a little against the grain in terms of like maybe not like the common like conventional wisdom you'll hear even on d2c twitter so hot take take is did you just explain what a hot take is yes yeah i mean in case they didn't know or in case they're like well what's a hot take right like what is it with two t's a hot take is just the same as a hot take but it's when barry hot does it so yeah it's contrarian (laughs) yes contrarian if you will uh so number one this is kind of the one you're famous for yeah. is make ugly ads right there right. on the hat make ugly yeah. ads tell do you want to like do you a little you want to do a little read for sure. the hat like uh, oh make, sure make ugly ads. buy it yeah, buy mean, a make ugly ads hat it's only three thousand dollars it's 35. it's four thousand dollars make ugly ads.com go get your make ugly ads gear uh you can get a, <laughs> a hat like this uh you know it's basically a five thousand dollar hat marked down to four thousand it's a thousand dollars off you can get a ten thousand dollar hoodie for $6,000. What a steal. But uh, really, Make Ugly Ads uh, is all about uh, making ads, not the ugliest ad that you can. It's about making ads that are the uglier version. Take the uglier option, the uglier route than what you natively think is going to do better. That's what every marketer is like, oh, we got to make pretty. We got to polish it up. We got to like make it perfect. Which on is, like, brand. Only what marketers think. It's not just on brand. You're totally right. But it's beyond yep. that. It's like, okay, how do we frame this perfectly? How do we make this look exactly right? But you know what people are watching on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok? Not perfectly shot stuff. They're looking yep. at stuff that their friends are making. And they're looking at viral content. And like viral content, like I just watched, uh, did you guys see that like baby or young kid that was like dancing in like a snow jacket? And like then it's like dancing like this. And then like people recreated that video and did it like side by side. And it's like adults doing it next. And like, none of that is shot in a studio with perfect cameras and lighting and all that. Like that's what people want to see. 
So find the way to make stuff that looks more like that, is more believable, is more authentic. And the spiciest, the spiciest take that I'll give about Make Ugly Ads is that every brand can and should make ugly ads. I don't care how premium or luxurious of a brand it is. You can make things. If you're going to make an ad for Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, mm -hmm. you can and should make an uglier version of that ad shot on a phone instead of a red camera or, you know, shot, you know, as a selfie instead of shot like in any other way. There's ways that you can make it feel, look and feel more appropriate for those platforms. And yeah. it still makes sense for those big luxury brands. In, Instagram is a really interesting platform because there's a lot of really good looking amateur photography on there. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So it's, and that's like a very niche thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of what you're saying is, and I've heard it this way too, is like stand out by like blend in, but stand out. Yeah. You, the way you stand out in a very bad way mm -hmm. is when somebody's scrolling through their feed and I'm seeing stuff that my friends have posted and it's, it's within this range of like pretty, right? Like, or yeah. professional, let's say, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's it's anywhere from like, eh, not very to like kind of like, you know, decent amateur, mm -hmm. decent looking amateur photography right. or whatever. And then something comes up that is out like over here, like outside of that range. Yeah. In, and is like more professional. Exactly. It just stands out right away. It's like ad right away. You yeah. know what I mean? It like throw, it like triggers that ad red flag yeah. before you've even had a chance to like hook them. Yeah, they're they're ad red flags already up and yeah. scroll past a great example that I'll give mm -hmm. you is if you're ever scrolling through your feed and a a trailer like a movie trailer comes mm -hmm. up. It's like so obvious so quickly before the trailer even starts or like that. It's like, oh, this is different. Right. Like this is another level. Yeah. Um, it, So that's what you're saying. But I will let me let me give you the pushback that Please. I could imagine happening. Um. What if your Rolex? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the conversation I have with so many people. I've had like had this talk with like Raba uh, on the, on the, uh, on the ad topsy, which uh, and shout out to ad topsy, my other, my YouTube show with the uh, fire team. Um, mm -hmm. I'll shout out so many people on this show. Um, Those, you know, they didn't he, pay for that spot, but that's no, okay. No. I'll, let, I'll let it slide. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he said, he basically asked the same thing. And I think, you know, if you're Rolex, and you're making an ad that's going to be on Instagram. I absolutely think you should be thinking about what, how that shot and what that is. You can still make the product look incredible and make people want to buy it yep. in a way that is organic visually to that platform, right? Those are not like completely separate things. Those are not unrelated. You can make a beautiful ad but shoot it in a way that belongs on TikTok, belongs on Instagram, right? It doesn't, yeah. and it can also be shot. It can be someone talking about it. It can be someone wearing it. It can be someone like, it just doesn't have to be that TV ad. Which it doesn't have to be what you'd put in a magazine. It does not. And right. it, I'd say more so, it doesn't have to be what you put on TV. Right. Either of those, what's hilarious to me is both of those probably get more creative budget then they would put towards social because they're yeah. basically just saying, oh, well, we already shot this. We already paid a bunch of money to this agency. The agency can Let's just repurpose it, it. And they just yeah. do that because they don't, because they're afraid to put the uh, anything uglier than that in market. Like no one in that ecosystem is going to be comfortable doing that for most of those brands. Yep. Our guy, Shad, Shad Lambert. Yep. You got it. And it is exactly what we said, right? Like, yeah when you're scrolling and you're used to seeing this level of beauty and you see something that's outside or like on the other side of that too, it's like off putting. You just move right past it. Yeah. Um, Casey, I know you have thoughts on this one. Let me, let me ask you this. Why is it, why is it, especially D to C brands that like aren't huge already mm -hmm. still feel this need to like <laughs> make all of their ads beautiful. Cool. Like it's one yeah. thing that you're already huge because that's a great here's the thing. Point. If you're Nike, you're going to get away with anything. Right. You know what I mean? Your ads are going to work no matter what. They could work better, but they're going to work just fine. And you won't know the difference because you'll have just made them beautiful. But but like there's brands that aren't huge already that need their ads to work as good as they possibly will. And they're like so averse to this. Why? 
Yeah, I think that there's a stage that's pretty normal for a lot of D2C brands. Uh, where, and it's not true about every brand, but you kind of go through a little bit of a playing marketing phase, you know, um, mm. at least for the kind of scenarios <laughs> you're talking about marketing. here. Not, not everybody, right? But it's like the worst case scenario, right? We've definitely seen it before, at least. Oh, yeah. You know, and you start, you know, we've talked before about the importance of like an internal brand champion, the people who kind of understand your avatars on kind of a different level, probably because they are one of those avatars themselves. So yeah, it stands to reason they kind of know what somebody wants to see, but you can miss the forest through the trees on that altogether where you start like thinking like, Hey, our, our spectrum of things we want to release are like this. And we've talked about it before where I will take the whole field versus just this any day of the week. Cause you yeah. are bound to be missing some angles, uh, some designs, things that could be working uh, that you're just not even willing to try and test out and get data back on uh, because yeah. it somehow infringes on that internal value. You, you see the brand. And I mean, I'll take, we just had BFCM. I mean, I think it's pretty par for the course that, you know, if you don't have an insane budget to create new creatives, um, it's pretty par for the course to like take like a sales banner, put it over an existing creative and launch it as a new creative. Right. And there are some brands who are like, no, nah, we don't really like, we don't like that. That doesn't feel right to us. I'm like, you don't want people to know about your sale. Like they're like, no, yeah. it's more like we, we know what that creative is supposed Feels to look like. Spam. And it's not yeah. supposed to have that. I'm like, some of the people don't know. It's like, that's, that's a weird way to look at it from my <laughs> yeah. point of view, or even right. like, so I've had the scenario where brands will call some internal, like branding person will be like, Hey, I don't really like how that Creative like director. call to action, yeah. like stands out so much. Like, can we make it like blend in, like go a little bit better? <laughs> I'm like, you don't want your call to action to stand out. Like what, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think yeah. I'm the wrong person for your team, honestly. Like, <laughs> that's what I do here. Yeah. That's anyway, the main thing my that we rant. want the call to action to do is stand out. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, go, I go just ahead, I, I I brought a visual. That's the that's the answer. Is, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's exactly, ego. and it's well, not necessarily like ego in a negative sense, where they think, you know, th like they honestly think they're making the right decision. It's right. not just like, hey, my brand is cool, and I need to make sure it looks cool all the time. They there really believe bit, that's what performance marketing let, is. Let me, well, not. yeah, let let me. I do. Yes, for the most part, I think they do think they're making the right decision, but I also think people rationalize. It, sure. People it, incentives drive actions is my belief for the most part. Yep. There's like yeah. a few people I've ever met that do not act in accordance with their incentives. And they're the strangest people. Like, I don't know how to interact with them. Mm -hmm. um, but like incentives drive actions for the most part. Mm -hmm. And and then people rationalize, right? Mm -hmm. Like people rationalize taking the action that really is aligned with their incentives. So right. in, uh, in if Elon Musk, he'd make them ugly, but effective. Yes, yeah. Felix. I gotta, I've been Elon, to get, sorry. I got to get him the hat. Yeah. Let, let, little, little interruption here from Felix dropping a comment. If Elon Musk's if Elon Musk did creatives, he'd make them ugly but effective, right? Like it's just that that focus on effectiveness over um, aesthetic. But kind of what I was saying is, um, yeah, I think that a lot of times internal creative directors, brand directors, visual designer, whatever their title is, what are they incentivized to do? Really, they're incentivized to like keep their job, and the way they <laughs> keep their job is yeah. by seeming necessary when sometimes they aren't as necessary as they'd like to seem um and and so yeah like so they kind of like handcuff a performance agency or like they they are like oh yeah this agency like really needs a lot of hand holding to get the aesthetic of our brand right um when it's like we don't really we're just trying to make stuff that um is more effective and so but but then it gets rationalized into like i'm making the right decision i'm protecting our brand i'm doing that and that's maybe worst case scenario maybe it's not always like that but i i do believe incentives drive actions and oftentimes in people in person or in-house people the main thing they're incentivized to do you know if they're salaried is like just keep your job try and get a race right that's most people by far like in this industry most people and like <laughs> that's kind of funny when when i think about like where we you know talking uh, on dc twitter and in a lot of these spaces, like this is the group of people who are often not. Those right. Most people. people aren't there. Yep. Right. 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 Most most people in this industry are not even close to it. And even then, a lot of people in there are still like kind of just learning all this and stealing all yeah. this information just to like keep their jobs. You know. <laughs> um, right. So you know, I don't know which is worse: the guys that are doing it just to keep their jobs, or the guys that are doing it to uh, protect a brand just yeah. a course just to sell a yep. course of everything i said even though they don't <laughs> understand it um so i don't know yeah but and I, 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 oh, go ahead yeah i was just i don't mean to be insulting when i say 
that people are playing at marketing. But I yeah. guess what I mean is like anybody, it's, it's worth like trying to keep your job, trying to do a good job. It's okay to have different perspectives. But my particular stance on it is if you're not actively looking at data, yeah, are you really it's making just informed opinions. decisions? And is that really marketing at that point? It's more like just imagery in general, like it's right. kind of like art at that point. Really, it's just all, a, all it's doing. it's pretty subjective. Yeah, right. Which gives you no like no footing when you're trying to work as a team. If everybody's got these like subjective goalposts of yeah. trying to hit, you're like, I mean, what are we working towards? I don't know. Okay, let's move on to hot take number two. <laughs> this one is yours, Barry. What your attribution says is not real is not tied to the reality of what your actual ad dollars are doing. Totally. Explain that. Absolutely. So one of my favorite things is there's a weird for me, like if you're if you're following me, you might think of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like there's a bit of like almost hypocriticalness where I am such an advocate for one day click attribution. So mm -hmm. hardcore about it in terms of like optimization settings in Facebook. Yeah. But I think there are people that when they hear that and they see that they misinterpret that for me thinking that what that is, is real and true. Like mm -hmm. I'm just saying that's me making a decision for a system to better optimize because I want more right. data. I want more conversions to be forced to be happening as soon as possible so that I can learn from that and optimize from that and understand the ads that are making people take the most immediate actions now. But yeah. by no means do I think that that one day click or even seven day click is telling the true accurate story of the customer journey. Yeah. Like these are, there are people that have been seeing ads from the same brand on Facebook for weeks or months, and they can only get attributed to like a one day click or seven day click goal right yeah. audience or ad set whatever and that we we take that for meaning like it does this and it's just there's such a bigger ecosystem happening especially with bigger and bigger brands who are advertising on more places like it's just insane to even yeah. think that these attribution windows are real or based in reality yeah but i still do wholly believe that you should be making the system get you as many conversions you can quickly. And that way it helps you understand one ad is better at getting conversions today than the yeah. other. That means that to me, that ad is better at getting attention and better at changing people's minds than Moving the other people. ad, which yeah. has a it bigger lasting, I would also say a bigger lasting brand impact even. So I'll stop there. this is actually one of the harder things to explain to brand owners and uh, like people who haven't spent a lot of time doing media buying. Um, so I'll give an example of it. Um, for example, let's say you're like new customer cost per acquisition target blended is $30, right? Like you want to get new customers for $30. And let's say I use a Facebook one day click window or North beam one day click or a triple whale one day click CAC or clicks, whatever, you know, it, I'm essentially looking things, things on like kind of a one day click window um, or a tight click window. Um, and it says that as a whole channel, Facebook is giving us an $80 CAC. Right. What you're saying is Facebook as a, like that, that is not a reflection of what Facebook is doing as a channel. The reason we're looking at it on one day click in Facebook is yeah. so we can look at Facebook and say, which ad is giving us $60 and which ad is giving us $90. Like what is better relative to just that channel? So we can say which ads in Facebook are better, right? Yeah. We're not saying that 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 window is actually reflective of Facebook's performance and Facebook right. is like way underperforming and we should cut it, right? Yeah. Um, because it's at an $80 CAC. Um, and that that's actually like the most common scenario is that um, interruptive channels like Facebook, TikTok, YouTube will show like a really high CAC on tight windows. Um, but I agree because the reason you want to look at it on those tight windows is because it's just removing variables, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm looking at it on a one day click window in Facebook, I'm mm -hmm. removing the windows of like, I'm removing the doubt of like, okay, well, this ad does a better job 
you know, converting right away, but this ad drives more conversions later, but I don't know, this other thing happened later. Maybe this ads like reaching people who are further down the funnel. Like there's just too many extra variables. Like right. what ad does best right away? Those are the ads we want to move forward with on Facebook, but we're not saying that that's what Facebook is actually doing. Facebook is creating way more downstream effect or YouTube is right. creating way more downstream effect. Exactly. I agree. It's like one of the harder concepts to, to explain to people who haven't done a ton of media buying especially going back to what Casey said right before he entered this, like we have data that tells us these stories and tells us these things. But a lot of what we're talking about is like being contrarian to that data. Like I yeah. have to be like, yeah, we have data that says this ad was better. But then when I go and look at now that I have like the new uh, attribution setting uh, window breakdown available, I can be like, oh, it was mostly one day view uh, right. conversions, not one day click conversions. So are those really valid and helpful? Yeah. Ooh, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, view, view through is really hard to like optimize around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And but so is click, but like that's, I agree with you, but so is click. Like yeah. even when you use North Beam or triple L or rocker box, whatever, right. Mm -hmm. Like those are skewed also because there's no way to really know, like, especially when you add in like, print media or like yeah. out of home like it's it's absolutely insane yeah. to think about attribution in that way and no like, yeah it, it's it, so it, hard you you can't nail yeah. it down and that's what it, like no attribution tool will actually give you a true like that channel is contributing that exactly like it's all relative you know yeah and all this is kind of with the the like bullet point that we're all media buyers and we kind of all understand this on a certain level better than a lot of people who aren't buying media like you originally said john and it's it, it's sometimes it doesn't like sometimes it won't come off the way we we want to sound to clients if we're trying to explain these like deeper concepts ah, about how attribution right. isn't perfect right and we can create narratives that look better on us as a media buying agency oh, or yeah. as a media buyer for a brand Most or we could also do just there's a difference between trying to tell a brand what they need to hear and what they want to hear. Yeah. And a good media yeah. buyer should tell you what you need to hear. But again, it's like incentivizing actions. Like, why would I do that if that could potentially mean like bad news for me? So yep. um, yeah. it, it, it views you as like a brand owner or a brand manager to like, you know, investigate these kinds of things for yourself. Dead on. Yeah. Felix said the thing that the, he commented, the thing that is the best attribute, uh, best performer one week could be the worst performer the next week attribution wise. And I think that's especially true when you're mixing in like longer attribution windows, view throughs, anything modeled, that kind of thing. It just like, it gets, it swings so much more and it's harder to make decisions and, and know what to do next. And to your point, Casey, I will, I'll be the first to admit that there are some brands, clients that I've worked with where they just would not understand this concept that we're talking about right now that like what this says on a one day click window isn't actually reflect reflective of the channel i'm just using it to optimize so like we we had two different windows we had the internal thing that where we'd be like we're looking at one day click internally and optimizing and then we're using some other kind of attribution tool or window or model data or something like that when we show the client so that we can essentially without having to fight with the client every time we talk to them do what we know is best for them yeah um and which is that's that's tough and that's why we're trying to unpack this so that you know hopefully this is a little clip that we can take and send <laughs> to people and they get it right um anything else here barry yeah you, you, you know you said a few minutes ago like uh you that people that uh, what did you say? Like people that uh, do things against their incentives don't make sense to you. Right. right? Like, isn't this kind of that though? Because right. that's most, I see so many marketers, I could say most, but I don't know if that's true. They do the thing that makes them the most money full stop. Yeah. And that often is not the thing that does the right by the business that they're serving. So many mm -hmm. agencies, they're just like doing whatever they can to make the numbers that they use look good just to play the game right, just because yeah. they're, that's what they're incentivized to do. But a yeah. real partner, right? And that's the modern, like I see this more and more is like the term growth partner, like that's on my website, um, yeah. is you know not just trying to game a system of metrics, but trying to do whatever it takes to make the business improve. But again, it's, I work with so many different size businesses and it goes to that concept of incentives. So few people are incentivized properly to solve yes. the bigger problems 
like, and especially this whole agency and whatever ecosphere, we're often incentivized by like spending more. So right. it doesn't behoove me to point out, hey, wait a second. <laughs> you know, right. if we do this, we're gonna spend less, but do more so do it more efficiently. Like yep. it doesn't benefit anyone. So I mean, I, I yeah, for sure. I could add a hot take in here that most of you m- most brand owners are uh misincentivizing their agencies. Yep. They're incentivizing their agencies to do something that's not the best thing for their brand. Yep. And most of the agencies are doing exactly what they're incentivized to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is not the best thing for the brand. And um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're incentivizing your agency around the wrong metrics uh, or if you're incentivizing your agency to be basically motivated just to keep you as a client, like that's the main <laughs> way that they're incentivized. Yeah. That you like, that's what they're going to do. Right. Well, so what most agencies are going to do anyway. Just right. And yeah. Yeah. So, so then, then what, like, then what do you do? Okay. Well, I'll just, I'll look at the relationship through that frame. Like, okay. So you're just never really going to have a relationship of trust. Like, why don't you just both incentivize around what's best for the business yeah. is my opinion. But you know, mo- most, most brands don't want to do that is my, but it's hard. As well. It's yeah. hard when hard that has to change sometimes because yep. a lot of oh, these yeah. are built with the best intentions. And then it's like, Oh crap, we need, to we don't want to just scale. Thing. Yeah. You know, the incentive has to change. Like the metric that we're using has to shift from Facebook ROAS to whatever third-party system ROAS to maybe it's actually this Just other number, it, yeah. you know, like this other metric and this other scale for performance. Maybe it's something that's more qualitative than quantitative. Like, yeah. uh, like it's it becomes really weird. And it's the desire to nail down specific metrics is what kind of fuels it to be everyone believing so heavily in the metrics. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's weird for someone like me to be like, oh, well, the metrics aren't really right. We're yeah. going down, we're going down a rabbit hole of like, <laughs> Ooh, I, yeah, I could, I could go deep into the well of like right. agency and brand incentivization and what, and like what we're talking about are some really, really big flaws in the agency business model and some really, really big flaws in like brand owner mindsets. Yeah. I By actually way, think we've just discussed <laughs> sorry to talk over you there Barry no, I actually think yeah. we've discussed a lot of those types of things that you're probably not wanting to dive deep into right now John on uh, I believe it's the uh, the value of a marketer episode that we did right. a few months back so if yes. anybody's curious uh, that's that's a decent one if this topic in yeah. particular uh, you want to dive further into after the live we can link it up here yeah uh, I'll, okay. I'll shout out two previous episodes your Charlie uh, Charlie disruptor one he kind of yep. talked a little bit about this as well and yep. I also just watched your like perfect gene one and I think they kind of a little bit also I think touched on like, yeah they do the they yeah me. like incentivize correctly yeah. yeah they did yeah they did talk about that right you also mm-hmm. did I'll, I'll plug myself you shouted out and they shouted out thesis and the creative that they were doing uh, and I was formerly there so I will yeah. graciously accept. humbly accept uh, that on behalf of thesis where I no longer work, but I did <laughs> help grow that team. So nice. You know, yeah. so many guests come on and they're like, Oh, I love your show. I've seen every episode. I'm like, mm. but yeah, you I actually mean. mention episodes and talk about what happened in them. I'm like, I, I, I actually believe half. you. I watched yeah, one I, and a half and I cited them there. My <laughs> assumption my, is that's more than most guests actually watch. before. Uh, watch it. Yeah. My favorite thing is when guests come on and they're like, I love you guys. The show I watch every episode. <laughs> Casey, it's nice to, who, who are you? <laughs> like he's on every episode. So you clearly haven't watched it. You just follow yeah. me on Twitter. Um, I, next up, next podcast I guest on, I'm definitely going to come on and say, where am I? What, who are you? Who are oh, you? I thought this was a zoom meeting. Uh, <laughs> Tell what do you do again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Um, cool. Hot take. Number three is mine. Sorry. I put the two T's on there. That's on me. It really should only have one T since it is not your hot take. It is my you can hot send take. me a royalty check on this one. Um, yes, I will. Yep. Okay. Um, hot take number three is I think one you're maybe going to debate me on yes. a little bit, but I'll, I'll say the controversial version of it yeah. out loud. All Facebook advertising is pretty much remarketing, retargeting. Barry. I love, I love this point and where it's coming from genuinely. Right. I also hate it. And to my core, you know, we disagree with it, but <laughs> like, you're right fundamentally in so much in that, like, especially with bigger brands, yeah. like people have seen, like, oh, going yeah. back to what I said before, people have seen the ads dozens yeah. of times, probably, you know, um, so none of it's really cold, cold prospecting some, sometimes, yeah. but I, 
I don't really care. Like, yeah. I think this changes from what I said earlier when we were talking about this. I don't care. What I care about is making, I don't care about this whole idea of prospecting versus retargeting anymore. Yeah. I just don't care. I just want to make the best ads that I can that will get the most people as efficiently as I can to pay attention, give a shit. Am I allowed to curse here? Who, who knows? <laughs> give a shit. Yep. And then take the action that I want them to. It, and if I make a great ad, it's going to work for someone who's never heard of me before today. And it's going to work with someone who's heard of me 20 times before today. It doesn't matter. It's going yep. to change their uh, perception and the intent. And that's my goal is to change that perception, change their intent. Yeah. That's what I care about. The, the, this is, this is what I'll, I'll clarify this statement. All Facebook ads, all Facebook advertising is pretty much retargeting is the statement. Here is what I mean by this. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean is that it's all audience based. So uh, like you, I don't necessarily think on the continuum of uh, prospecting, you know, mm-hmm. cold audiences, warm audiences, hot audiences yeah. in terms of who's heard of me. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I know about that and think about yep. it a little bit. But like, yeah. I more think about where are they on the on like the what level of intent do they have? Right. right. Like, have they never, do they not even think about the problem that my product solves? Right. Or are they problem aware, but they don't right. know that there's a solution or right. are they solution aware? Are they aware of my solution? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's what I mean by this is that I think it's really hard on Facebook using the purchase objective to rate reach people who are not even problem aware, right, like right, really, right. really hard on using the purchase objective. Right. And, maybe and this you is don't where we it. disagree. This is where we disagree. So you're saying you'd rather optimize for another action? No, I'm not saying I'd rather optimize for another action. I'm saying uh, when you're using the purchase objective, you're rarely reaching people who aren't even aware of the problem that your product solves. Um, Usually they're at least problem aware, probably solution aware. Maybe they're not aware of your solution yet, which in many people would say, well, then they're prospecting if they've never heard of your brand. Right. Um, and, and that's why it's like, yeah, technically, yes, you can t- prospect on Facebook, but mm-hmm. because of like how advanced the algorithm is, mm-hmm. I think most people who get ads for whatever your product is, are the kind of people who are already kind of in market and thinking about buying stuff like your product or similar to your product, or maybe direct competitors to your product. Sure. And this is, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify it this way too. This mm-hmm. is 90% of spend for 90% of brands. There are some ads in some brands sometimes where it's like the ad very intentionally reaches up to people who are only problem aware or like not even problem aware. Um, sure. I, I just don't, I don't, I think even this is too linear of a, like a way to look at it. Like yeah. I, I've brought multiple brands to market, like optimizing for purchase. And like, yeah. I know that they're showing ads to new, net new people. I, I know that because it was our right. primary, you know, channel. So I don't have a problem with that. Like I know that if I spend more, it will reach more people, even optimize for purchase. It'll just yeah. do so less and less and less efficiently, efficiently. To less and less and less like relevant, likely to buy people. So in that way, yes, it is. You're somewhat accurate or, or maybe wholly accurate yeah. that it's going more after people that are more or less you know, uh, like aware of the problem, but I don't think of it as aware. I think of it as just likelihood to buy because yeah. all of these products and, and services that we people are selling are so different. Some of these are like problems that people never knew that they had. Right. And you were saying mm-hmm. that. And like some of these are problems that people know that they have. And some of these are th- products that they know exist, but they didn't know about this brand. There's just yep. so many gray areas there. I just, I broadly don't, can't co-sign this one. Yeah, but I also can't say that you're fundamentally wrong. <laughs> you know? I think it's it's at a high level of scale. So so uh, my observation is that as you scale using the purchase objective, yeah. it gets harder and harder to force Facebook to go up the tr- the tree. You know, I mean, use the low hanging fruit kind of mm-hmm. thing. So like, you know, Facebook starts with that low hanging fruit people yeah. most likely to buy, right? Yes. It, it, as you scale with a purchase objective, it gets harder and harder 100%. to force pay, Facebook to go up the tree. They just like 100%. keep circling the wagons. This on is a huge things. problem. Yes, I likely agree. to buy people. This is the biggest problem facing the modern like Facebook advertiser. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like great call out. 
on this and I do agree. And yeah. it's really frustrating, right? Like I work with like Harry's razors, right? Yeah. Like they're advertising in a lot of places, yeah. <laughs> you know, who doesn't know about Harry's razors and like also this separate issue, uh, you can buy Harry's online through my ad or you can go to buy it in target, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that is, uh, you can't track that if they go to target. No. So yeah, I agree with you because they're advertising so many places because they're such a big brand. It's you've, we've made it almost impossible for while optimizing for purchase and not really using uh, visitor or engager exclusions, which uh, the new uh, advantage shopping plus campaigns don't have that. Don't use so it. they're effectively just going after, like you said, the lowest hanging fruit, hugely problematic Yeah, because it's not getting any, if it's not in the whole system is not incentivized to get any incremental conversions at all. So right. that's go after like, it just goes after people that are already familiar, already aware. So in that, in that way, I agree with mm -hmm. a bigger brand at scale, hugely problematic, smaller brands, newer brands. I don't think have this problem at, as much at scale. And it's so yeah. uncomfortable for marketers and brands to understand when that, I can't say it's a switch that flips from, from that, but like they, it's really hard to comprehend how like you can do all these things. You can be doing a small, you can be a small brand doing seven day click one day view, doing lots of interest targeting and like things will be working, working, but mm -hmm. you start to scale up and all of it kind of shifts and the things start to break down and you don't understand why or how or what to do. And it's because the system is starting to cheat and just go after that lowest hanging fruit, like you said. Yeah. And it just keeps circling the wagons. Casey, anything to add here? Yeah. Um, I think that just like any good framework, the uh, the kind of like tofu, mofu, bofu kind of setup or prospecting, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's got a lot of merit to it in, in a lot of situations. Um, I do think that it's something that is kind of taken sometimes too royally is just like the only way to think about how like your ad strategies and yeah. uh, kind of to various point, like I just don't think that's the case for everybody or at least like there's diminishing returns at a certain point, like thinking too strictly about that stuff. Um, I, you know, as like a creative strategist, uh, you know, that's my role on a media buying team. Mm -hmm. um, I, I deal with some of this stuff too, where like, some frameworks will pop up that are so powerful and so helpful to enough brands to where everybody wants to adopt them. Right. And then all of a sudden I find myself just kind of like following certain processes that are already laid out. And I'm like, Hey, isn't the first word of my job title, like creative, like creative. shouldn't I like, <laughs> venture to be creative every once in a while. And I think that's a similar thing with like a media buyer with this kind of framework that we're talking about it. It can become so uh, concrete um, whether it's the media buyer or the brand, whoever is kind of pushing for that kind of structure that you, again, you sometimes miss the forest through the trees yeah. uh, again to Barry's point sometimes you end up looking you're you're trying to deal with problems that are you know a hundred miles away still and you just need to focus on the things that are right in front of your face so mm -hmm. yeah um yeah okay moving on uh I think we'll take only a second on this one because I don't know if either of us fully I don't know if either of us would really like give this advice to most people but we were talking about it a little bit off camera so hot take number four optimizing for purchase isn't the only way do you want the first word here no. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's, here's my take on this. Um, 90, 95, 98% of the time, yeah. I'm pretty much just going to advise people to optimize for purchase. Okay. Uh, if, they're, if they're running, you know, Facebook ads, Google Great. ads, that kind of thing. Right. Yes. Um, here's what I mean from a bigger, bigger picture standpoint. Um, number one, optimizing for purchase in your total marketing strategy isn't the only way, right? So mm -hmm. for example, if you're breaking into podcast advertising out of home, TV, mm -hmm. billboards, it's not really that optimized for purchase. It is optimized to like get eyeballs of people who you're like really going to have a hard time reaching mm -hmm. with Instagram ads, Facebook ads, YouTube ads, TikTok ads, that kind of thing, right? Like they're, they're just different people or having those same people see it in different spots. Mm -hmm. And it's tough to optimize it for purchase because a lot of people are consuming that in a manner in location where they're just not going to purchase, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's valid. And uh, at scale, I would say it's, it's like really valid mm -hmm. um, because it, 
uh, I think Josh Snow from Snow Teeth Whitening was mm-hmm. on here. And one of the things he said that I loved is that he's like, at a certain point, you kind of outgrow the algorithms where it's like it, it gets harder to continue growth curve using just digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I tend to agree with that. At that same point, I think mm-hmm. it, you, you can open up growth on those digital channels by optimizing for engagement type objectives mm-hmm. if you're creating engagement type content, right? So if you're creating like true, like a podcast, your brand has a podcast, right? And you mm-hmm. optimize for views or view through or mm-hmm. engagement or something mm-hmm. like that. If you're creating true engagement type content, I think you can bring new people, new eyeballs into the brand, optimizing for engagement type objectives. And and with brands where we've had a hard time continuing to scale and reach new yeah. people on digital channels, it has been a bit of a breakthrough because it's like, look, the, the thing's only targeting warm anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's just bring more new people into the warm pools, mm-hmm. right? Could you have an ex- a good example you can share? Yeah. Like- yeah so uh, specifically, there's a, a, a clothing brand, a, a, yeah, a clothing brand, I won't say too much more um, because a lot of people probably know I've worked on this brand where they probably around 40, when they were doing about 40 million, 50 million on site, on, on D2C, on, mm-hmm. uh, shop, on their like Shopify store. So mm-hmm. not including what they were doing in retail mm-hmm. um, and spending, I don't know, a million dollars a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got really hard to like, our frequencies would be high. We turned mm-hmm. over ads often and it got really hard to like, get that much more scale and and drive any more incremental sales out of mm-hmm. our digital channels. And it was almost to the point where it's like, I rarely recommend this, but it was almost to the point where I could say, if we turned off digital, we turned off Facebook and Google and we just ran email and SMS, I don't know if our sales would change for years. Like it mm-hmm. might be multiple years before we feel that effect, right? Like that's how little like additional new eyeballs we're getting from these channels. Um, so yeah, we just started to focus on a little bit more like storytelling, backstory, founder, founder story focused content, um, and run it for views. Um, we also started running opt-in. So that's, I think the, the best jump to make if you're an e-commerce brand is go from purchase to opt-in. Um, and don't run like some cheesy giveaway, like run like a true opt-in, like, Hey, we're doing a product launch or we're doing something like that. It gets a new kind of person maybe who's not in that like purchase pool. Um, and yeah, so we run it, started running a lot of opt-in content and we started running a lot of like video view and engagement content to specifically video view and engagement stuff. The opt-in content was for product drops. Um, and yeah, and like created a a big breakthrough for us on digital and like got a lot of net new eyeballs. And we also ran ads to their Facebook group. Like we like ran ads that clicked through to their Facebook group. Yeah. Now you're to get in the world of community. That's an interesting, that's an interesting separate good play to capture an audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I know like Ash and Obvious had good success. I don't know about ads for groups, but like their Facebook group is supposedly huge. So like that's pretty mm-hmm. rad. That is not my area of expertise, honestly. Like I'll, I'll yeah. admit. Um, uh, go ahead. Sorry. There, there's been a couple times, and, and Casey can call one out too, where we've realized that something the brand does really well is incubate. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if you bring new eyeballs to this brand, they're very good at incubating those eyeballs and endearing okay. people to them as a brand. Yeah. And so then we'll, we'll kind of shift the paid media strategy from like, let's drive purchases and let's focus on product to like, sure. let's just get these people new eyeballs. Cause they're good at incubating. Them. Got it. So I, yeah. I think I can get on board with this. The main thing for me is like, I don't actually know how much I care about specifically optimizing for purchase for everything. But yeah. my, my point is, if your goal is to get people to purchase, then optimize for purchase, yeah. right? Whatever your goal is, make sure you're optimizing for that specifically. If you have some other action, high intent action that you know, you know, is a positive signal for your brand, like, yeah, go ahead and optimize for that. I'm aligned. But like add to cart, eh, I don't know no, if that's like, that's don't it. Do that. I will say this, though. Here's the thing I'll give away. Like, this is like, I only usually tell this to my like consulting clients. If you are, the, the only time I do recommend not optimizing for purchase when you are e-com is maybe in your creative testing. If you can get mm. higher uh, intent purchase, uh, you can get like add to cart or initiate checkout data uh, quicker on and yeah. with spending less money on your creative test. If you have a lot to, of creative to test, 
then you might be able to pick winners quicker. Uh, this this does become a little awkward with uh, the event prioritization. Yeah, it used to be easier because you could optimize for purchase, and then just look at add to cart or yep. check out initiated, and then just you know call it a day. Uh, right. That's what I used to do, but now you can't anymore because someone who's purchasing you're not getting that and add to cart or initiate checkout data. Yes. So those those fields are wrong. But I do recommend that a little bit, especially if your like ratio of available creative to creative testing dollars is skewed. That yeah. is the only time I do recommend like, hey, maybe go after that. And that can work and that can also go after other audiences, maybe a little bit cheaper. Yeah. So this leads me to our next point, actually, because because it's a, it's signal data, but I think that where we make mistakes is taking signal data and at best assuming that it's a stronger signal than it really is. So this was your hot take. take. Mm-hmm. We, we can't, can't totally really be totally scientific. Yeah, like as cannot. marketers, we like to think of ourselves as like yeah. scientists. And I've said on the show before, like, mm-hmm. you know, be a scientist. Yeah. Um, which I do stand by as a statement, yeah. but your point is really good here is that we can't be totally scientific. If you do something like what you just said mm-hmm. and you optimize for add to cart in your creative testing yeah. there, you, you've just created a lot of uncontrolled variables where mm-hmm. you can say, Hey, we have some reason to believe that this is the best performing creative and that's, that this should be in a sense graduated, right. but we, you know, that's definitely not like rep, you know, that's, it's not for sure at all. Like inconclusive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like this is what we like DM'd a little bit about is like the difference between be a scientist and think like a scientist, I think is, hi, Dara. Um, excited. Oh, so excited she's watching. Um, yes. Dara, the, the biggest YouTube Talking about I thesis. Had. You missed us talking about thesis, but oh, that's yeah, all right. I took credit for all of her work. Actually, yeah. screw it. Dara's taking credit <laughs> no, for it was, it was all you. <laughs> um, she can't, She's not here to respond, so I can say whatever I want. Um, but like, you know, the think like a scientist, uh, rather than be a scientist, like you can't just tell, tell someone to be a scientist. You gotta say like, think like a scientist, which is like, ask questions, yeah. make detailed observations, develop a hypothesis, find answers using tests and question your answers. It's so yeah. important, but it's like when, when marketers think that they're scientists is when, when it becomes troublesome because the data we're using is so, so just wrong and tainted as, as we've said so much in this podcast already, but also in that we're doing this now on optimized platforms. So any variable between A and B is not just being tracked as like, okay, it's the person uh, like people are reacting differently to this. No, it's the system is is driving these ads to younger or older users, people in the North versus the South, the East versus the West, people on Instagram versus Facebook, reels versus stories versus feed. All of these variables, it's quicksand. It's, it's unsteady ground. And the yeah. data that we get back from it is not scientific at all. So we need to be really careful with that. Yeah, I think we, we talk about being scientific quite a bit on this show. We want to have that mindset um, and all the stuff you said there totally makes sense. Another thing I would add to it is like being ultra intentional when there's so many things that can water down the results to the test you're trying to put out there and stuff like sometimes it really means just like dialing in to like one specific thing and setting up those controls super tight um, mm-hmm. and and just really, really being intentional about what it is you're testing. So that way, you know exactly what you're going to do with any result you do get. Because a lot of times you don't get results. You get wishy-washy results that don't indicate anything. But if you set up tests in the right way and you get a certain type of result, that should indicate, like, I need to go do this next. People who get wishy-washy tests were not intentional with their setups. I have a problem with people that are too rigid with their setups. Hmm. I I can't stand when... Okay, I had a, a situation where the client wanted to know, desperately wanted to know, did the a product pairing, uh, showing the product with food work better than showing the product with people? And mm-hmm. then it was like specifically like showing it with like tacos and like with a cowboy, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay. What we about can tacos test and this. a cowboy? Well, no, that's a separate. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. We <laughs> should do another that, right? test. We should do that. But I was like, we can't, t- that we can test I'm going to air quote the shit out of this. We can test that, but we're not testing shit. 
because the variables are in how it's shot, how it's framed, how it's perceived, anything about it, the, the lighting, the colors, everything is what's actually at stake here. So unless we're testing, okay, maybe we can test a batch of 15 tacos versus 15 cowboys in different shots and sh you know all different things. And maybe we'll get a learning there. But in reality, I don't think we will. We'll get one winner that will randomly win because some part of it was like looked more like a, a phallus than than the others. Like that's what yeah. happens on the ads. It's it's not scientific. It's random, and we are putting too too much scientific meaning behind a lot of this. What what and I'm and fire uh, yeah, I'll I'll and I'll speak for you here a little bit, Casey. When uh, we say intention, there's a difference. When we say intentional, be intentional. We don't mean be rigid. Um, okay. Right. So, so. Sorry, that wasn't me fired up at you we, guys. No, no, Just no. It's, yeah. Fired it's up a good at like, so, you know, when we set up a test, right. When we're like, okay, well, we're, we want to be as scientific as possible. We want to control as many variables as we can. Um, but we, because there's already this huge uncontrolled variable of machine learning over time. Right. Yeah. And machine, machine learning updates over time. Mm -hmm. um, we, oftentimes intentionally decide not to control certain variables, mm -hmm. but we still know what our next move is based mm -hmm. on what happens. Yeah. Right. So um, I have a problem with like people setting something up uh, and oftentimes like mega optimistic people do this. Mm -hmm. They just are like, it's going to work. You know what I mean? And then we're going <laughs> to scale it. And they don't even know. They don't even know what it means to scale it, but they're like, uh, it's going to work super well. And yeah. we're just going to throw a bunch of budget at it. I right? think every ad's going to fail. And then I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so uh, but then when some of them, but then what they get back oftentimes is some, one of them might, something kind of might work, but it's a little inconclusive. A bunch of stuff didn't work very well. One thing does work pretty well. And they don't really know what to do with that. Like, what do I do with that? You know what I mean? And that's what we mean by being intentional is that when you set up a test, uh, if you're not controlling every variable, be intentional about the ones you're not controlling. No, and be like, hey, we're not controlling this variable on purpose because yeah. of this, right? Yeah. Um, and understand what you're going to do next based on like what happens. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, then it's like, you know, like, what do you, like, I don't know, what do you do? What are you even looking for, right? Like you yeah. probably just are thinking like, oh, it's just going to, like take off and it's yeah. like that's just like not a great way to approach the whole process right yeah i mean look i agree you have to have hypotheses and thoughts and, and whatever and that's an that's an important thing but i think yeah. the think like a scientist part that's important about it is to continuously question really question the results because like that's what i don't see enough of and i'm not saying you guys you know do this mm -hmm. or don't but like i see often that intentionality isn't isn't necessarily the problem it's the observation part that is what becomes yep. a problem? It's like, oh, you know what's working? Like we all have seen it. We've all done it too. Like you know what's working here? It's yeah. this uh, headline in the top. That's what. That's what it was. That variable. And meanwhile, like maybe it was. It was something about that, but not for the reason we think it was. Yeah. You know, it's I, not. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I'll add a sub bullet to this hot, hot take and say, I honestly think the biggest variable in making ads work is like, does it do something that the machine learning likes, which is unclear to us. Uh, does it do something the that the machine learning likes within the first like thousand impressions? It's not about the machine learning. It's about the users. The users like it in the first, you know. Well, okay. So does it give the machine learning a signal that the users like it sometime sure. within the first thousand impressions? Right. Oh, let's. And talk we about don't that. even like fully know what that because like sometimes it's like it's like we can't really fully even like. It's based on know attention. What that is. It's based yes. on attention and. Like whatever feedback parameter. So, yeah. generally, and those my feedback primary yeah. switch and shift, right? Like that's the definition of machine learning is that yeah. it continuously learns, um, right? But from what I from what I see, my general understanding, both based on what I see uh, at, at scale on tons of accounts, and also like from watching the uh, the Netflix movie thing, um, the Social Dilemma, I think it was. Oh gosh, um, like we could this do a whole is, episode on that. Yeah, right. The system's definitely doing this based on attention. The more if the if you have an ad pre, you know, even if it's not getting clicks yet, even if it's not getting conversions yet, it has no basic data. Facebook is generally optimizing based on attention. Yeah. Um, that's my understanding. I see that based on either watch times or just my understanding. That's yep. I, I could be totally wrong. 
but yeah. it's definitely a metric that it's using. And it's something that we can't really see or know as advertisers. And they're not going to make available to us, but yeah. that's generally my expectation. So like there are times where I do think, even though I, I am very much a guy who will say to almost everyone, like trust the system, let it, let it prioritize and allocate. I do think there are times where if you have ads that haven't gotten like out of, I haven't got a little bit of spend, like giving, taking those out and letting them get their own forcing spend to them can be valuable. Yeah. Um, but usually it's a pretty bad sign if they're comparatively not getting. Yeah. That something machine. within the first few impressions. Gave, yeah. Yeah. The, the machine, the signal that like this isn't as good. Yeah. Um, it happens. Yep. Cool. Last one. Hot take number six. If something mm -hmm. works once, it will totally work again every time, 100% of the time. No, that's the opposite of that is the hot take. If something works once, doesn't mean it will work again. This one seems obvious, but yeah. the reason I'm going to call this one out is because of the, the Twitter thread case study mon monsters and mm -hmm. the agency case studies. And I mean, I feel like we're just shitting on agencies today, but um or or just like this this desire to create systems and processes so that we can just repeat results right yeah. especially if we work in agencies yeah um and and the truth is like i one of the biggest things i learned when when i went to structured was like i thought like oh i'm going to get visibility across so many more brands so much more spend i'm going to have like this really high level viewpoint of like what's working and what's not all it did if, if like I was like truly like seeking truth and in, in yeah. some kind of statistical significance and data significance, mm -hmm. all it did was tell me that like, there's nothing that's really that universal. Like, almost, yeah. you know, like something might work in one account and it might yeah. even work in two. And as yeah. soon as it works in two is about the time you see Twitter threads on it, it maybe, you know, or, or case studies on it or, yeah. or agencies say we have a framework for apparel. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and the truth is like, yeah, there was just nothing that was that universal, um, across, across like multiple brands, like right. what worked over here didn't really work over here or what worked over here. It was like, well, the reason there's a very clear reason it works for that brand and some other brand can't really do it because they don't have that reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hate, I mean, I hate seeing those fail. Um, or I, I mean, I guess I do hate seeing those fail. Um, I do think that within a brand, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, point. I, I yeah. would expect like I'm not, so I'm just to be clear, I'm usually not one of those people who's like, don't touch the ad. Don't touch the best performing ad. Never touch it. I'm like, no, <laughs> if it's your best performing ad, you can, you can recreate that ad. It'll, it'll almost always do well. Unless yeah. it's like sitting there with like thousands of positive comments and like, you know, they're, they're, it's a safer bet. Yeah, yeah. 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 But like it's, if it's a good ad, it's a good ad and it's a good ad. It's a good ad, you know? Uh, but yeah, you can't just expect to replicate success across things. But I am all for um, stealing components and playing with them. Um, mm -hmm. I love to look at what Dr. Squatch is doing in their ad account and just try and break down their hypotheses. Like, yeah. I don't think that everything they're doing is like pure solid gold, but the thought and the hypotheses I see behind it, like they've created, I've watched them make fake Twitter handles or Instagram handles to like frame their existing creative. <laughs> And I'm like, that's fun. And like, it makes yeah. it look like a meme. So I've tried that and I've had that fail miserably and I've had some <laughs> success. I've had some success doing that. And I now have a better understanding of what bits about that can work and can't work. The yeah. fundamental of just doing it doesn't work. But the fundamental of doing certain things in those parameters absolutely can work. But it's about finessing it and sticking with it and under trying yeah. to break down and understand what about this is working from a a user perspective, a content perspective, not from an advertiser perspective. That's what yeah. I think you can replicate a little bit, but yeah. it's still it's still really hard. Yeah, I mean a great example is like long form content, long form video, uh Harmon Brothers style ads. Uh just because like if for the most part like you got to be a certain size before that's really going to work for you. And the reason it works at a certain size is because you've already seen a lot of diminishing returns over a lot of your creatives at a, a certain size. And, and all that really does is it doesn't give you better CPAs. 
it brings more people, more eyeballs into your brand more effectively, right? Um, and oftentimes gives you worse CPAs. Um, it, but now I'm making a sweeping generalization again, but like it, like it's it, it, kind of what I'm saying is just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just have not seen a lot of stuff replicate super cleanly from one brand to the next. And we've so far as we have had two brands that sell like really similar products, like direct competitors of each other. I mean, think wow. like, uh, think like, I don't know, you know, okay. This Coke isn't it. Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Think, think that kind of thing. It sounds and, like a conflict of interest, but okay. Go on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, uh, in like one of them, we'll make an ad that's just a banger. Yeah. And we make, we make the exact same ad for the other yeah. one. And it doesn't really work that well. Yeah. I've, I've been, look, I've been, I've been there too. I've worked at an agency where, or whatever, where we had Toyota and Honda at the same time. We had yeah. like a, yeah, whatever. But um, I, I want to go back. The Harmon Brothers thing you call that is interesting. Harmon Brothers stuff, hard to recreate, although like some agencies like yeah. kind of do. Um, but also like it's 20, almost 2023. It's about to be 2023. Do you believe that a Harmon Brothers, by the way, their ads are amazing. I've, Mm-hmm. I worked uh, at Bedjet, which we had a Harmon Brothers video. It's very yep. cool, a Shark Tank product. Um, do you think that a Harmon Brothers video, long form, two, three yep. minute video, is uh, a good tool to have in yep. 2023? So, uh, I, case study, because you can't replicate things across brands. That's the whole point, um, always. But case study, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I work with a brand currently mm-hmm. who did one from a agent a different a different agency that i won't name because they sure. didn't pay for the spot but uh you know uh a different agency and it is a good tool for them they mm-hmm. already were going to do about 10 million this year mm-hmm. okay let me, so where is that being used is that being used on facebook yeah it's yeah successful. so collection ad units collection ad units and it, so think for an apparel brand right mm-hmm. like if you're using dabas uh what are those called now advantage plus shopping oh, or yeah. whatever yeah, Daba. Like, let's just stay strong. Um, if you're using Dabas, you should be testing collection ad units. And okay. uh, if you're using collection ad units and they're working, mm-hmm. it works pretty well with a, with like a long form. And that was all like so that signal was all already there. So the hypothesis yeah. was this will work well with a with a long. Form. I might need to see an example of that. Let's talk, let's maybe follow up. I want to better understand what you're talking <clears throat> about because I don't think that's a good ad format for Facebook, yeah. Instagram, or TikTok. They've probably come up with better ways to make those work, but that a lot of that goes against the whole make ugly ads. Although they do some things to uglify, uglify yeah, their ads. That's exactly right. They do some stuff to uglify yeah. it, make it native to platform. Yeah. And yeah, this it's good, and we use it in like post form too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah, it was uh, during Black Friday. I ran that ad with Black Friday copy, outperformed all of our Black Friday ads, outperformed all of our ad of evergreens. So yeah, like uh, it, um, and then also yeah, have run it to, like as a test to our core landing page as well, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, across the board, thumb stop rate, hold rate, click through rate, conversion rate, CAC, like a good performer. Nice. Um, so so a good, but not like you know, it's not like purple that's gonna scale. There, like, so the agencies pitch you it on like, and we're gonna like they paid a lot. They paid six figures more more than six figures for it i'm, um, I'm familiar and, yeah i've been in this yeah and, and it tell like they give you these case studies of like this brand scaled by this much and collar you yeah. know is a good example of one that um uses them as well and like mm-hmm. um you know like you're not going to get that for the most part i'm not seeing that but it is a better performing ad than many of their other ads yeah that's fair i just want i i mean i haven't been involved in something that has like that kind of like two three minute Harmon Brothers style thing, which I think are amazing. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've had access to an account that has one of those going. Um, but when I had, they were, it was hard to beat. But I just yeah. wonder if now they sniff in that ad zone a little bit, or do they do such a good job in their hook of presenting yep. a problem? That's what makes it those Harmon Brothers style ads, whoever's doing them, but like, let's say Harmon Brothers, right? Um, yeah. They hook really good and then they, do an angle and then rehook and it's, you know, it's like an old school info. I do think it has a lot to do. Like I've, I've worked with another brand where it was a flop, one of their worst performers and like subjectively, I thought that one was less funny than this Mm -hmm. one is. So that probably has something to do with it, you know? Yeah. 
You know, that's a risk you run, actually, I think, with that style of content. But what's great yes. about it is that if it is funny or even if it does just have a good hook, which those should, that's kind of part of the recipe is like a strong hook. Yeah. One of the things that can be overlooked about that type of asset being as long as it is with as many different cuts is it's always you're able to, you're usually able to like break it down into pieces and reorganize it. So if you yeah, find yeah. that there's that drop off rate at a certain point, I mean, you can just shorten it Shuffle. a lot of times, like pull out like one or two key cuts and all of a sudden it's 20 seconds shorter and it's not as big of a, a time investment that people are sensing when they really? when they sniff the ad out, you know, because I think yeah. that's what scares people off. You sniff an ad and it's not like you hate it. If it's something you want, you're like or something you're interested in, you don't mm -hmm. mind watching it. But when you realize, like, I'm not watching four minutes of this thing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that what turns people off. Who's got that time? Most. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Barry, thank you so much for coming. It was great yeah, having pleasure. you. Thanks for hopping on last minute. Um, and yeah, I mean, Casey, say the YouTube stuff. Take us out, man. Modern Commerce, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Barry, thank you for joining us. John, thank you for setting up this interview as always. Guys, if you like the interview, please go ahead and hit that like button down below. Also, comment down below. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. And uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. That'll signal to YouTube that you enjoy our content. And YouTube will pitch it to people most similar to you. So uh, with that, Modern Commerce, until next time, we'll see you.